0: Finishing up in Job, Uh, this is our fifth of five weeks, Uh, so why don't we pray now and ask God for help. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the the wonderful poetry that is Job uh, and for the way this book has challenged and continues to challenge us. Uh, Lord, we pray that we would be a people who have a bigger picture of you uh, and that we uh, might leave this place having a greater trust in you for your glory. Amen. Uh, I wonder what your expectation for life uh, here and now uh, actually is. When you get up in the morning, uh, how do you expect the, the day uh, to go? Well, obviously, there's the, the bigger life circumstances that are not the everyday uh, but what is your everyday expectation of ordinary life? It's an important question, isn't it? Uh, for our expectation will shape how we think and feel about what's happening with us and what's happening around us. Uh, Christopher Ashe, helpfully, I, I reckon, begins his commentary on the Lord's second speech, uh, that first part of what Amy read to us, by saying evil frightens me he says this book that is his commentary on job has been the hardest i've I've ever had to write he goes on as i've written i have struggled with the painful and perplexing evil in some relationships i've been frightened by the evil thoughts and desires that have bubbled up within my own heart I found myself scared at the supernatural power in myself and others in addictions, in dysfunctional relationships, in sickness and death, in stubborn self-centeredness, in destructive rivalries and in depressive illnesses. I'm scared of evil, he says. And one of the most evocative ways to convey that sort of terror that I sometimes feel is the language of the monstrous beasts uh, or the otherworldly storybook characters we might say as we're coming towards the end of Job and as we finish it we have something of this depicted in the behemoth and the Leviathan in Job 40 and 41 that which you and I have no control over wild and powerful monstrous forces uh, maybe something like you come across in a Harry Potter book or a Harry Potter movie but on a whole nother level that which we have no control over yet the lord does yeah, just as a taste chapter 41 verse 1 to 3 the lord says to job can you pull the Le- can you pull in the Le- leviathan with a fish hook or tie down its Tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through its nose or pierce its jaw with a hook? Will it keep begging you for mercy? Will it speak to you with gentle words? And further down, verse 8 to 11, we read, If you, if you, do, if you lay a hand on it, you'll remember the struggle and you'll never do it again. Any hope of subduing, subduing it is false. The mere, just the mere sight of it is, is overpowering. No one is fierce enough to, to, to rouse it. The, the Leviathan. And we keep going down from there, verse, uh, the second half of verse 10 and 11. We have an argument from lesser to, to greater. Who then is able to stand against me? says the Lord. You can't stand against this Leviathan. What makes you think you can stand against me, says the Lord to Job, verse 11. Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything, everything under heaven belongs to me, says the Lord. And if you've been around with us the last few Sundays, you may recall Job has been concerned about the justice of God, As Job, a real man, really suffers, our writer makes it clear that Job's an innocent sufferer. So if the Lord is sovereign, if he is in control, then surely the Lord is being unfair, reasons Job. What's going on for Job doesn't seem to make sense within the Lord's ordered creation. But in this great book of Job, we're reminded of the reality of evil, aren't we? There is more to life than what we can see and and, and touch, and it's it's not all neat and tidy at this point. Chaos can break in to our orderly domestic lives. According to the Bible, the Satan, the the adversary from the, the beginning of the book, is real, although on a leash, so to speak. And we might picture him... Like this Leviathan creature, monstrous, too powerful for us to even look at. That's too much. You lay a hand on him and you don't go there again. Yet he, this mighty, proud monster, he can only do that which God will allow him to do. The Lord, as we've been reading, Job is exercising his sovereignty in such a way that that even evil is ultimately used for the Lord's purposes. And we see this in Job's innocent suffering, don't we? Where you and I, all these years later, we're given a vital lesson that the Lord's people worship the Lord, not for what we can get, but for who he is, for he is worthy of worship. And we see it in Jesus's... Innocent suffering. The Lord exercising his sovereignty in such a way that evil is ultimately used for his purposes. In Acts 4.28, the believers are praying. And speaking of Jesus' murder, they pray, They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. They did. Jesus was really killed by those evil plots, the Jewish religious leaders and, and the rest, but even this was a part of God's sovereign plan. Even these unruly, wild, beastly creatures, the behemoth and Leviathan, are under the Lord's rule. Job can't stand against death and evil, and nor can you or I. But the Lord can, and of course we see that ultimately uh, through the work of Jesus on the cross, don't we, where he wins victory over sin and death and the devil. I think it was Martin Luther uh, who put it in a challenging way, calling Satan God's Satan, that ultimately the adversary serves serves the purposes of the Lord, even as we experience the chaos breaking through. You may have noticed by now that the book of Job doesn't give us a plain answer to the problem of evil and suffering. Uh, It may raise a whole lot more questions. But what it does is it gives us a much bigger picture of the Lord, the God of the Bible, doesn't it? He is the only God without rival and as we come to the end of the lord's second speech we have something in this uh, of job's response Uh, chapter 42 verse 2 to 6 just look there if your bible's in front of you job says i know that you can do all things lord no purpose of yours can be thwarted you asked who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge Surely I spoke of things I do not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. See, from our perspective, we might accuse God of all kinds of things. It may feel unjust, the difficulty and the painfulness of this life. Job doesn't get a clear answer. But what he gets is God. And God who graciously humbles him. You think about your prayer life. Uh, we often pray for success, don't we? Uh, we have youth group here on a Friday afternoon. Uh, often it's about exams and assignments, success in, in those. Or, or an adult, it could be work or, or the business, some some other kind of success. But success, it can lead to pride, can't it? And pride to self confidence. And self confidence, I don't need God. And I don't need God leads to hell. Sometimes God uses the real difficulties of life. That we might rely on him and cry out to him. Be humbled by him. And I hope that that's true of your circumstances in this life. As you get knocked around by chaos breaking in knowing it's really on the Lord's leash. I was was listening to someone talk about Queenslanders the other day. There's a lot you can say about the Queenslander, isn't there? Uh, Something wonderful about Queenslanders, uh, this person said. They don't take themselves too seriously. It's true, isn't it? You know, the Queenslander. Yeah, good for a laugh. Uh, This person went on, though. The only problem with that is it means these Queenslanders have a tendency to not take anything seriously, which is also true, isn't it? Including God. Including God. That's not possible when we come to Job. The almighty God, who is bigger than we can imagine, Who is bigger than we can comprehend? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know, says Job. And what happens next, as the book sort of winds up, is remarkable, isn't it? As we come to the conclusion of the book and that the poetry ends, Job is still suffering. Yet the Lord turns to the friends, you know, the friends, those advisors who understood life, you know, very clearly. The Lord turns to the friends and and repeats in chapter 42 in verse 7 and then in verse 8, you friends have not spoken truth about me as my servant Job has. You've not spoken truth about me as my servant Job has. And the Lord gets Job to sacrifice a a burnt offering on their behalf, much like he did for his children at the beginning of the book. And the Lord says in verse 8, My servant Job. You notice the repetition? "My My servant Job, my servant Job, my servant Job. My servant Job will pray for you and I'll accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. And it sounds a bit like this innocent, suffering servant, Job, is a priestly figure. Job, who longed for a mediator between him and the Lord, mediates for his friends. And we might say foreshadowing Jesus, the one who was to come. Jesus, who not only prays for his people but who is the sacrifice for us dying in our place. Um, I'm really looking forward to September. Uh, uh, My parents are visiting. It's not about that. Uh, Jen and I are going away for at least two nights with no kids. Uh, Something to look forward to, isn't it? I'm also looking forward to January next year. Uh, We're planning to visit my hometown (laughs) Tathra which is arguably the most beautiful part of Australia Uh, and and we haven't been there for five or six years. Uh, You an anticipatory person we we look forward don't we Uh, looking forward to the next holiday looking forward to something that's ahead the end of an exam period or the beginning of a marriage or and some of this has been really difficult during COVID hasn't it to make plans and and to have something to look forward to. But you notice at the end of this book, Job is doubly restored. And it's a a wonderful picture. Job surrounded by people. He was deserted. Now surrounded by loving people, wealthier than before. The most beautiful daughters in the land. And living a long life. And of course, it's true to say that in the difficulties that you and I face in life, The chaos of this world, the evil even that bubbles up within our own hearts, well, trusting in Jesus, we can look forward to a full restoration and some. A little like Job. It won't come in the fullest sense in this life, though, will it? As we anticipate the future. We look forward to the life to come. We set our sights on on Jesus' return. Uh, This life is just the beginning. You you know, uh, we did James last year or something, and in that New Testament book of James, James picks up Job as an example. And he says to his reader, you've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. And he says, the Lord is full of compassion and and mercy. And James is writing to a people who are struggling. And he encourages them to do what? To wait. To wait. And not for September or January, but for the Lord's coming. To persevere until that final day when we will see Jesus face to face, when everything will be made right. The time when the victory that Jesus has already won over sin and and death and the devil will finally be complete. And so trusting in Jesus, we can confidently anticipate a future that, that even death cannot take away. This life is eternal. And you know, I, I really miss Peter Brown already. We've been crying in our house this week. His, his brilliance, his quirks. But according to the Bible, he's with Jesus, which is better by far. Our expectation of life here and now When you get up in the morning, what do you expect your day to look like? Well, there is a battle going on, isn't there? And it's not against flesh and blood. The chaos is real. Evil is scary. But the Lord is in control of it, even using it for his purposes, for his glory. And knowing this, it must shape how we think and feel about what's going on with us and what's going on around us. How about we pray? Our Heavenly Father, uh, we sort of want to recognise the pride in us. that There's a sense in which we think we can do it separate from you this life uh, at times we even think we can tell you how things should be and lord that we at times even scream out and and argue that you're you're unfair and we thank you that we see in job that there seems to even be a rightness in that for us in our in our weakness and as emotional beings that we 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 can cry out to you in our struggles that we worship a god who is robust enough for us to scream and we praise you for that but lord we pray that in the chaos of this life that there would be a humbling of us that we might rely on you And that you would give us a picture of you that is big and mighty and that we might see you as greater and more transcendent. That that we wouldn't stick you in a box and tell you what to do, but that we would bow down in worship. Our Father in heaven, we praise you. We praise you that while there is chaos in this world, you are in control of it. We thank you for the wonderful security that brings us as we face a new day, that we'll have difficulties in it. And Lord, we pray that we would be anticipatory people for the holiday, sure, but even more so, Lord, that we might long to be with you. And we thank you that this is the greatest thing of all. Now, Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we live in the difficulty of this life. And we pray that you would be adding to your number in this region, day by day, those who are being saved. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I'll invite our musos up